This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church.
All is well, it is well. It is well with our soul. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 If you're here this morning and you're facing a crisis, you're facing a difficulty, whatever it might be, whether it's in your body, in a relationship, whatever it might be, this song is speaking to you. You know, God said this. He said that no matter what we face, that He's in it with us, to deliver us, and to bring us through. Amen? That's what He wants to do. And our part is to do exactly what the song said, that we fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author, and He is the finisher of our faith. In another place, Paul wrote, he said, He that has begun a good work will also complete it or perfect it in you. So whatever you're facing this morning, I want to start at our prayer time. We want to agree together with you. If you're facing something this morning, just you don't have to come down, but just put your hand up. And we're going to be in agreement with you. Hands all over the room. Jesus said, when you pray, He said, if two of you will agree, is anything that they ask, it will be done. So if you'll look around, if you see somebody with their hand up, would you just... Uh, Agree with them in prayer as I'm leading us in prayer here. Just take a moment. Let's bear one another's burdens. That's what the gospel says. It won't hurt. It can be more than two, two, three, four, whatever. But make sure nobody with their hand raised is praying by themselves. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus this morning. Lord, we're acting upon your word, your promise that if two of us shall agree about anything that we ask the Father in the name of your Son, Jesus, that you will do it. So right now, Father, all over this auditorium, we are coming together in agreement. We're believing as we ask that it is being granted, that it is being done, because you have promised it, you have declared it by the name and the power of your Son, by the blood of the Lamb, by the power of the Spirit, by your infallible Word, your promises, O God. Father, we release our faith in agreement now. We say the need is met. We say the need is met. We say the crisis will be handled. We declare that healing will come. We declare in Jesus' name that nothing can stand against the power of our faith when we agree in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And now, Father, we lift up the state of Florida. 
Father, we pray for the people there as they're going through this storm. Father, that you keep them safe, that you preserve life. Oh, God, I thank you, that, Father, that no more will perish. Oh, God, we just believe you for your angels, oh, God, to be released over that state, over homes, over families, in harm's way. You will deliver them. Father, your word says that you deliver the prisoner, oh, God, uh, Father, from death. I thank you, Lord, even those who are facing uh, a sure death, you will deliver them and bring them through safely. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you still hold the power over wind and wave. I thank you in the name of Jesus that that storm will diminish. It will weaken and weaken and weaken rapidly. I thank you, Lord, for supernatural protection and intervention in the people there in the state of Florida and in Georgia and in Alabama. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. Well, praise God. Amen. Well, we bless you and welcome you in the name of Jesus. You can be seated. Welcome to Passion Church. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. His power's not diminished. His name's just as great, just as glorious, just as mighty, just as exalted. Hey, man, the devil's still under our feet. That's his address. Under your feet. If you're looking for him, that's where he is. Hey, man. Hallelujah. But you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Woo, that's a good place to be. That's a safe place to be. That's a blessed place to be. That's a place of miraculous power. That's where you are. Yeah, but I don't feel, don't worry about them feelings. You can't go by them feelings. They'll mess you up every time. You can't help having them because you're human, but just don't let them dictate to you. Isn't that right? I found out I can do the right thing even when my feelings want me to do the wrong thing. Amen? You know, when you're feeling like you want to be short and crabby with people? Oh, I done gone to melon right early, hadn't I? Praise God. Well, you know, Jesus is the same. We're so glad that He is. You know, and this is the thing. We endeavor with our message. We want to imprint it indelibly in your mind and in your spirit that Jesus Christ is the same. He's still the miraculous working Savior. He saves. He heals. He delivers. Amen. He makes a way where there is no way. Anybody had Him make a way for you where there was no way? Hallelujah. He's, sti he's still in the miracle business. He hasn't stopped. We're so glad that you're here this morning. I know the weather's kind of coming this way and everything, but you know, I'm glad that you came. Praise God. I'm going to let a little bit of weather keep me out from worshiping God with my brothers and sisters. I'm glad you were able to make it. I know some people, I talked to them already, had people, family come in from out of town on them and everything, so they're trying to take care of stuff, but we're so glad that you're here, especially if you're here visiting with us this morning for the first time. We want to welcome you to Passion Church. We're glad that you're here. 
We just believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's no respecter of persons. Whatever He's done for anyone, He's willing to do for everyone. That includes you. So we're glad that you're here today. We're just believing God to, to speak to your heart, to touch your life, to encourage you and strengthen you, whatever you're going through. It might be a good season in your life. It might be a difficult season in your life. But either way, Jesus wants to be there for you. Amen? So we welcome you. The ushers are going to pass out the offering envelopes, and uh, we're going to be giving of our tithes and offerings, but also a little red info card. It's got about three lines or so on it. If you're visiting the first time, we'd love for you to take one, fill it out, just drop it in the bucket in a moment. I want to read something to you as their ushers are doing that. Paul over here in Philippians, he said this. <clears throat> He said, uh, <clears throat> said, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days in your acquaintance with the gospel, when I sent out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. Wow. Now, hopefully everybody got one of these. You get these passions for missions when you, for, for when you came in. This is, and I won't look over, read it, but you can read it. We had this put together. This is a part of what you give is going to support these ministries, both here and in different places in the world. But I want you to see, and every month, we got, or, or not every month, what we say, every quarter, about every quarter, we're going to have one of these available to you because, you know, we got to get information in from them and compile it and everything. But it'll let you know what is happening. And you can know what? These are good things for you to stick in your Bible and pray for these people and pray over them. And uh, we're going to do that this morning as we pray over the offering. We're going to pray for uh, these who are our, our missionaries we're partners with. Just like Paul said here, he said, you partnered with me even when I was blessing somebody else. Well, that's the heart of Jesus, isn't it? I mean, we may all invest in something that we're getting benefit from. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty normal, isn't it? Nothing wrong with that. But you know what? It takes the Jesus kind of faith and love that you give into somebody else when you're not getting blessed, but somebody else is. And that's what this represents. You'll see here, you're feeding people every day. You're, you're, people are hearing the gospel. Churches are being planted. Uh, uh, people are being trained for the gospel. All kinds of things are happening here. So hang on to this. And uh, from time to time in your devotional time, maybe take one of these, one or two of these, and just pray over them and just bless them. Amen? Because they're our partners. You're partnering together with them. As you give to Passion Church, you're also partnering with these. Amen. And I want to thank you so much for your generosity. If you would, just as a point of contact, uh, if you're giving, you can just put your envelope up there too. But uh, regardless, just to hold that in your hand as a point of contact, we're going to go to the Lord. We're going to lift these up. Father, right now we thank you that we can be partners together. Not only here locally, Father, in the ministry of Passion Church, but Father, for the Hurricane Harvey relief and for 
uh, Father, for uh, Charlie and Kathy Milbrot there in Thailand. And, and Father, there with the prices, Father, in the Harvest Ministries in Venezuela. And, and Father, we thank you that uh, uh, your hand is upon them, that you uh, provide for them abundantly, O oh God, that you open doors for them. Father, uh, for the gospel to go forth. Thank you, Father, for right here in our own city, O oh God, uh, for the food bank we're supporting and feeding people all across our state and other places. Uh, Father, for Echo Ministry here, we thank you for Aida and how she's ministering to our school children and in the feeding and education and helping them, Father, to grow up and, and to be, uh, Father, committed uh, adults in our community. Father, thank you. Thank you for the generosity of your people here at Passion. Father, for the opportunity to partner together with these in our nation, around the world, right here in our city. Receive our gifts, Father. And Lord, I thank you, as Paul said, that all of their needs will be met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Well, give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah. Well, I got it made up here today. The time says three. I don't have a watch on, so I just, I guess I'll go to uh, look up and y'all are gone. Praise the Lord. So good to see everybody here. Isn't God good? He is good, isn't he? He is good. Listen, you know what? All you got to do to be an evangelist is just to go tell people what God's done for you. That's all you got to do. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have everything down just right and explain everything and why this and why not that and why this and why not that. Just, just be like the, the blind man that was healed. He said, all I can tell you is this. Once I was this way, now I'm this way. Jesus did it. You figure it out. <laughs> Amen. Because one... That you, you, you know, you can argue with an opinion, you can argue with theology, you can't argue with a testimony. Man, they tried their best to argue with that guy's testimony. He said, you know, they were saying, well, you know, give, he's just a sinner or whatever. He said, I don't know about all that. He said, all I can tell you is I was blind, but now I can see. Amen. All I can tell you is I was messed up, now I've been made whole. Jesus did it. Amen. Jesus did it. Well, we're talking about building our church. Today we're going to be talking about divine alignment. Divine alignment. You know, in any structure that's built, there is the building materials, whether it's brick or stone, mortar, whatever. There has to be an alignment. You know, uh, Imhotep was an ancient architect and builder. He was the architect and the builder of the first pyramid, 3000 B.C. He came up with that. They said he was such a genius, such a mastermind at so many things, including building and architecture and design and so many things that, you know, he was one of the few people <clears throat> that actually was buried like a Pharaoh. I mean, he was exalted almost to a godlike status, you know, in their culture. And you know, Jesus Christ, we've talked about this, He also is a master builder. He's building His stone, His church, made from living stones. Every one of us, we're a living stone. And we're to be an eternal dwelling place. Not just a dwelling place, an eternal dwelling place. Now, Cindy and I have owned several homes. And you know what? We, we know this. They're just temporary. You know? We, we were in this house, now we're in this house. We've enjoyed every house that God's blessed us with. We enjoy it. We give God the glory. But you know what? They're temporary because we're going to be leaving it. But the house that Jesus is building, you and I, it says it's an eternal dwelling place. Hallelujah. <laughs> I like that. God is dwelling in us. You know, when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said, when it, you know, you remember the scripture where he said, Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? He actually, if you look, look at that real closely in the original languages, he says, don't you know that each of you individually and collectively are the dwelling place of God? Now, in our culture, 
we have a little bit of a difficulty with that because we are, the American culture, we exalt the individual. You know, we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. I mean, we go on, we're going to do it, you know, we're going to do it our way, you know, like Frank Sinatra's song, you know, but, you know, and, you know, and there's some good things about that, but we miss out on the understanding that there is something about community, there's something about unity that when we come together, two of us, there's greater presence and power of God released than there is by ourselves. And God is building. This is why we need to understand where community is important. God is building us up for a holy habitation, for the fullness of His presence and His glory. Jesus is the master builder. He's building us. But, you know, God's put it, designed it this way. We have to cooperate with God, don't we? You know, Imhotep, he had it made because those stones, they weren't living stones. So however he cut them, that's the way they were. Wherever he put them, that's where they stayed. But Jesus has got a little bit more of a challenge on his hands because the Bible says we're lively stones. Isn't that true? Boy, as a pastor, don't I know that. <laughs> lively stones. As one minute they're here, the minute, next minute they're gone. You know why? Because they're lively stones. <laughs> Isn't that right? Amen. They're on the move. We're on the move. Our society's on the move. Our culture's on the move. People are moving for different reasons. But all of this, when this is why it's so important when we understand that God has put us here in Passion Church, that, you know, then He wants us. He's got a place for us. He's got a purpose for us. And He wants to fit us in, in, a, in according to His calling, His purposes, our giftings, our abilities, all of that. And He's put us there. And when we take our place there, and you take your place, and you take your place, and you take your place, He says what happens is we become a dwelling place where the glory and the presence of God can be manifest in, a, in the greatest degree. Wow. That's worth a pursuit, isn't it? Look in Ephesians 2, verse 20. <clears throat> We're talking about divine alignment. God, Jesus as a master builder, you know, we already looked at where Paul, he compared it, and he said that we are Christ's body. I said we are Christ's body. We are His body. He's the head, we're the body. Now, do you ever see somebody coming and say, well, look you there. There comes Pastor Ed's head. Oh, there, comes, there comes Pastor Ed's uh, arms. No, we say, when we say there's Pastor Ed or here comes Pastor Ed, what, what do we normally think of? The whole body. Jesus is the head. We're the body. We're connected to the head. How committed are you to your head on your body? You're pretty com committed to it? If something looks threatening, do you try to protect it best you can? Sure. Well, he's the head. We're the body. The same thing. Your head, as soon as something threatens a part of your physical body, something happens up here in this thing on top of your shoulders, and you go into action, don't you? And you try to protect it. You try to take care of it. This is what we need to understand, that we are connected vitally to the head. We're his body. 
we're his body. It doesn't matter whether you're the little toe, whether you're the eye, the ear. It doesn't matter. You're part of the body. And every part of the body has a purpose, has a function, is valuable. And Jesus died for the little toe just like he died for the mouth. <laughs> Ephesians 2.20. Because sometimes we think preachers, you know, oh, yeah, God really loves He doesn't love me any more than he loves you. He's not for me any more than he's for you. He won't do anything more for me than he's willing to do for you. So just get that out of your head. It's just a matter of function. That's all it is. 2 and verse 20, it says, he says, uh, well, let's back up to 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together. In Him, the whole building is being joined together. See, when we recognize that we are His body, we are His edifice, we are His church. You know, sometimes we think, you know, you know, you know we, we, especially here in America, we equate church to a physical location. You going to church today? Well, I'm going to go meet with the church today. Because what? We are the church. We're two or three are gathered together. There he is in the midst of it. You and I are the church. This auditorium is not the church. You know, if we had a church building with a beautiful steeple and stained glass windows and all that's beautiful and wonderful, but that's not the church. It's a place where the church can meet. In the early days, the church met in homes. Hallelujah. I've been in church meetings where we met under a brush, brush arbor. You don't know what a brush arbor is? Okay. That's where they, they, they put poles up like a vineyard, you know, like vines, and they stretch the vines over this way, and that's it. We were in Mexico. And so, some, anybody here that went to Mexico with us some years ago with us? Yeah. Remember when we were out there and we were you up there when we went to, from the town to town out in the boonies there? Remember when we were we were there and we'd be under and it it was just some vines, you know, had grown like a you know, kinda like a grapevine, but they'd grown and matted over, you know, over some poles and stuff, and you're there and you know, and you're you're right there and it's just dirt. Well, it'd have been good if it had been dirt. That would have been an upgrade. It was dust. It hadn't rained in a year and a half, it was dust about this deep. So you get people out there dancing and praising God, and it was just, it just kick up the dust. Am I telling the truth? Yeah, I mean, it was just flying everywhere. You know what? Man, it didn't bother God one bit. Man, we were sweating, and the dust was everywhere. Man, what a time we had. Holy cow. You know why? Because the church was together. He said, we're joined together. It rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him you are being built together, become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. You know, when we, why do we come together? Because God is building us together, Passion Church. He's, he's bringing you and me and this one and that one from different backgrounds and, and different, different races and different, uh, you know, education and different things that we do in the natural. And all of that, God is bringing us all together to build us and place us together. What? So that His glory can be seen in Montgomery, Alabama. 
God's still looking for that. There's a lot of good churches in Montgomery in this area. Absolutely. But you know what? None of them have arrived to what we're reading at here. We may be on our way and some down the road further than others, but you know what? This is what God wants to do. Why do we come together? Oh, I can be just as spiritual at home. No, you can't. Because if you could, then this is a lie. I mean, I'm not saying that you are, but you know, I'm not going to call God one. <laughs> Y'all got that real quick, did you? Alignment. Why is, there, why is it that, that this, if this is what God wants to do, why is it so difficult? Because what? We're lively stones. We have a will. So that brings me to my first point is surrender precedes alignment. Surrender. There's a whole lot of Christians need to just give up. I've had, you know, come in my office and say, Pastor, I'm, you know, crying and everything, and I'm not belittling anybody, but, you know, I'm just, oh, I'm ready to give up. I said, good. <laughs> you know, because they, they thought I was just going to pat them on the back. Of course, they didn't mean it the way I meant it, but I was trying to get their attention. It's exactly what God wants you to do, give up. Stop trying. Stop trying to work at it. Stop trying to tell God where you want to fit in and how you ought to fit in and just surrender. Say, God, wherever you want to put me, wherever you want to put me. I don't know if they got any stables in heaven, but I'll be very glad to keep the stable. I'd rather keep the stable in, in heaven than the rule in hell. <laughs> Buddy, you ain't kidding. Get me at it. I can shovel that stuff. <laughs> ain't going to bother me. Buddy, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to be up in the glory doing it. Isn't that right? You know, wherever God wants me, that's a surrendered heart says, this is where, wherever you want me, God. Whatever you want me to do. There's nothing beneath me, and there's nothing that I can't do through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that right? Both are a stretch. Sometimes I found this out. God's done both. God's asked me to do things that I'm speaking as a man, as a person, you know, that naturally I thought, well, that, I, you know, I'm better than this. Now, I know you've never had that thought. <laughs> See, I'll pray for your pastor. But you know what? I humble myself and say, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to do it with a good attitude. And I ain't going to complain while I'm doing it. And I'm not going to murmur to God while I'm doing it. Isn't that right? And then I've had him ask me to do some things that I just knew I couldn't do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And man, I was real wanting to put, I'm trying to put all kind of people ahead of me in the line. You know what I mean? You ever done that? God asks you to do something. You say, hey, I think brother or sister so and the boy, Lord, they could do it really good. But see, we're talking about surrender. Surrender means that what? I offer no resistance to God. Whatever, wherever you want to put me in the body, God, it's okay with me. I just want to help. I just want to be where you want me to be. I want to do the most good I can do by the grace of God where He places me. The least amount of damage and the most harm I can. Amen? Sometimes I've got that messed up, but I didn't mean to. You know what I mean? You don't know what I'm talking about, do <clears throat> Look over in Isaiah 57 real quickly. I have no idea what time it is, so... I'm good. 
Okay, I'm good. Isaiah 57. Let's look over there. Isaiah 57, verse 15. For this is what the high and lofty one says, He who lives forever whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Guess where God's at? He's at the place of humility when we humble ourselves. And see, you know what that means? A humble attitude and a humble spirit offers no resistance. Could you, you mind sitting in the back? I'd be delighted to sit in the back. Remember, you remember the parable Jesus told, didn't you, about the wedding? He said, when you're invited to a wedding, he said, don't go in and take the chief seat like you're, I'm so important. He said, what may happen is you may get humbled since you didn't choose to humble yourself. And he said, the, 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 the master of the feast comes and says, hey, uh, we got somebody here that's a lot more honorable than you. Go sit back there and let him have your seat. Whew. That'll, that'll give you an attitude check, won't it? But he says, I dwell with people who are humble. You know, why? Because, see, God's building his temple. He's building his church. And, you know, when, when, when I will humble myself under God, say, God, wherever you want to put me, wherever you want to use me, however you want to use me, God, that's fine by me. Personally, just speaking again as a human, personally, I would much rather have the lowest place. I'm praying for you to get, you know, for you to be exalted. For you to be exalted. You can come up here and do this. I'd be glad for you to. You can make the decision. <laughs> oh, you think it's glorious. Yeah, it's glorious until you get in the kitchen. Then it's just hot. <laughs> it's just hot in the kitchen. <laughs> Cooking a meal, but it's hot, buddy. Humble, open to the truth. And it's also, it's a place of rest. When we surrender, look in Hebrews. It's a place of rest. This is why it's so good. Just, you know, just say, God... Not my will, but your will. Wherever you want me. It's a place of rest. Oh, man, it's so good. So good to be at rest, isn't it? I'm not striving. I'm not trying to promote myself. I'm not trying to. I'm just, man, I'm right where God wants me. I tell God all the time. I say, God, if you don't like it, you, you know, you're the one that put me here. You want to move me on. I'm, I'm not going to sweat it. I'm going to do the best I can. But you know what, God? I didn't ask for this. I asked you to do something. I asked you to, you know, I said, Pastor Ed, he's your man. <laughs> he can do it. He's wiser than me. He's been this longer than me. But we what? Each of us, we rest when we're what? At our place. And here's the thing. God's got a place for you. L- look at this. Hebrews 3. Uh, I'm going to read two or three verses here. Verse 8. <clears throat> let's, let's start there. He says, uh, He said, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the desert, when your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years saw what I did, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their heart's always going astray. They've not known my ways. So I declared on an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. That's not a good place to be, is it? 
You know, the people of Israel, if you think about it, no matter what God did, they weren't satisfied. It didn't matter what they did. He gave them supernatural manna every day. They weren't happy with that. God, we're, tri- we're tired of manna bread. We're tired of manicotti every day. These manna burgers are really getting old. I want to go to Burger King, God. So God sent some Burger King. Actually, he sent, he sent quails, didn't he? No, but no matter what. Why? Because they, they were always murmuring, always complaining. They were never at rest. Why? Because they were never surrendered. That's why they couldn't go in. That's why they never experienced God's best. Because what? They were never in rest. Look at verse 11. I mean, uh, verse 19, right on down there. He said, so we see that they were not able to enter because of what? Their unbelief. We could say it this way. Because they were not willing, what? To surrender to God. It takes faith to surrender. Are you listening? Now, we believe in the prayer of faith. We believe mountain-moving faith. We believe in that. Absolutely, Jesus said, Whoever says of this mountain, Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He will have whatever he, he says. We believe that with all our heart. If you've got any mountains, you ought to be speaking to them in faith. But let me say this. It takes faith also to surrender to God's will. To stay when it feels better to go. To serve when it's inconvenient. That takes faith. Hello? Especially faith if you do it with a good attitude. Are you listening to me? Rest. We're talking about surrender. Until surrender comes, there's no alignment. Remember, we're lively stones. And see, as long as you have an unsurrendered heart, you know what? Usually what that is, it means that there's wounds. There's woundedness, there's pain that still control our words and our actions. You know, I've never been in a church where people were in a church that hadn't at least been usually in one other church, and now they were in this church. We have people that come through this church because they were in another church, and the reason they left that church is because what? They were hurt. They were wounded. You know, if you if if I you know if somehow I injured my elbow and it was just swollen and real tender and everything you know I mean just to the touch, and and we were talking and you were just trying to encourage me and you just gently laid your and I ah, you hurt me. That's it. I'm not having anything else to do with you. Well, they didn't hurt you. You were hurt before you got there. You already hurt. And in just the natural interaction of a relationship, they bump into that hurt that's never been healed, and you're like, ow. And instead of allowing God surrendering and allowing God to heal those wounds and those hurts, we just run off somewhere else. Well, I'm going to find a church where they don't bump into elbows. I'm going to find a church where I can have my way. I'm going to find a church where they do it the way I think it ought to be done. I'm, whatever the hurt is, it could be an emotional hurt. It could be a, it could be legitimate. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you know, my elbows legitimately hurt and swollen, but they didn't do it. 
And if we will allow God and learn to surrender and take it to God, God will heal that hurt, whatever it is, that emotional hurt. So now in the, in the natural course of things, things that used to would make you mad and you give somebody a piece of your mind. Come on. Or take your toy and go home. Now all of a sudden, you don't even notice it. If, if, you were, had a, if I had a completely healthy elbow and you and I were talking and you just in a, in a brotherly or sisterly way, you, you, you touch that elbow like that while you're talking to me, I wouldn't think a thing in the world about it. It wouldn't even register on me. You know why? I'm not wounded. It's not wounded. Instead of blaming God, blaming the church, and even blaming our brothers and sisters, we need to go to God and get some healing that needs to be done. Amen? See, we're so sensitive. We're easily offended. That usually tells me what? There's some hurt there that hadn't been resolved. Go to Jesus. He's, didn't Jesus say, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me? What? He said, to heal the brokenhearted, the wounded. It's, it, the, the, the anointing's on Jesus to heal your body, but it's also on you to heal those wounds in your psyche, in your soul, in your emotions, so that you can move on. Amen? Listen, we need to move on. If you've been hurt, join the crowd. Anybody in here has never been hurt in church, raise your hand. I don't see a one. You know why? Because you're around people. And we're, we're not perfect yet. This is why we need to learn to forgive. You know why? Because you're going to need it and I'm going to need it. If I'm around here long enough, and I have been, I'm going to need to be forgiven. Of something. Amen? That's just the way it is. It, you know, and, and because of this unsurrendered heart, a lot of times we have trust issues. We can't trust people. I've seen this in marriages. Husbands and wives, because they've been betrayed, they, you know, and it never gets healed. They can't trust one another. There's no trust. You know, maybe, maybe a pastor hurts the sheep. Sheep can't forgive him. The sheep hurt the pastor. The pastor can't forgive him. Either way, you're going to have problems. Because there'll be trust issues. If there's trust issues, how are we going to go anywhere? Isn't that right? I mean, you know, if I said, hey, I, I, I want you to, I invite you, come go with me. I'm going, you know, I'm going on a trip. We're going up to, you know, to the, to the mountains. And you're thinking, I heard about this guy. He has a wreck backing out of his, you know, driveway. I've heard 10 people got put in the hospital riding with him. I don't think I'm going on a trip with you to the mountains. I know that's silly, but see, it's a trust issue, isn't it? It's a trust issue. And see, church, if God's going to build us into the, the temple He wants, if He's going to do what He wants to do in us so He can do what He wants to do through us, you know, we got to resolve the woundedness that keeps us from trusting one another. That means that, you know what? We're going to have to learn to forgive. We're going to have to learn to trust God that even though I'm imperfect, you're imperfect, that somehow, by the grace of God, if we'll learn to walk in love and forgive one another, that God's going to do it anyway. Wow. That was a good time to say amen. Transformation stops in an unsurrendered heart. 
I'm not being changed anymore. I'm stuck. See, this is, this is the danger of an unsurrendered heart, especially if it's unforgiveness. We get stuck. You can't move forward till you learn to forgive. You've got to let go. Didn't Jesus say, he said, if you go to offer your gift to God before the altar, and he said, there you remember that you have aught against your brother, or your brother has aught against you. He said, before you do any of that spiritual stuff. You know, in the church we define certain things are more spiritual than others. You know, we lift our hands and I sing loud, that's spiritual. Well, I, that's wonderful. I, I sing as loud as I dare sing. <laughs> if I could really sing, I'd let it rip. But there's nothing wrong with that. But that's, you know, we think that's spiritual. Or, or maybe we pray for somebody and they're healed and we think that's spiritual. And I, but I want to tell you something. All that's true. But you know what? One of the greatest miracles of God's grace that happens or that should happen the most frequently is we what? We forgive one another. So much that Peter, you know, being spiritual as he was, he said, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times? I mean, you know, that's pretty spiritual, seven times. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Seven times. Kind of throw, I could just see him kind of throwing his chest out there. Going to impress the Lord with this one. Jesus said, no, Peter, not seven times. He said, 70 times seven. Ugh, I could just see him deflate like most of us. Oh, God. Lord, that's a hard thing you're asking. It is. It takes the grace of God, doesn't it? We're talking about a surrender precedes alignment. But an unsurrendered heart, it, it, its transformation has stopped because as soon as I won't let go of my brother, Jesus gave us this example, I become bound myself. I won't release them. And so without realizing it, I'm binding myself, and I'm staying in the same place. I got the same hurt. I got the same issues. This is the reason you see so many people go from church to church to church to church to church. They think it's the church, the last church they were in, so they're going to find a better church to be in. They get in that church. They got the same issues they brought with them, so they, get, they still think it's, it's the church they're in, so they go look for another church. Uh, you know, that's fine to change churches, but let's do it for the right reason. Not because of our woundedness. Not because of our woundedness. Amen? You get stuck and you get stagnant. So let's talk real quickly. God's working our surrender. How am I doing? I, don't, I have no idea what the time is. Am I okay? I'm good. Okay. BT. Blame BT now if I go over because he says I'm good. Let's, let's talk about... <laughs> Very good, brother. God's Word, don't blame Him, don't blame Him. Bad, poor choice of words on my part. We're not blaming Him. Sorry, brother. Kind of threw you under the bus there, didn't I? I follow, I'm sorry. <laughs> Turn to Hebrews 12. You're in the book of Hebrews probably still. Hebrews 12. God's work in our surrender. You know, I know what you're thinking because I was thinking this while I was putting this message together. Boy, this is, uh, this is a big order. This is a tall order, isn't it? Anybody besides me ever have any surrender issues? I don't want to forgive them. I want to be mad. feels good to be mad. You know what I mean? Doggone it, they did that, Lord. 
Excuse me for cussing in church. I mean, you know, you just, you just, for even something as small as somebody cutting you off in traffic. I mean, man, that, that, that natural part of you, that old flesh, it just rises up, don't it? You want to just lay down on that horn. <laughs> What's the matter with those people? And that's just a small issue. What about the big ones? Somebody betrayed you. Somebody let you down. Boy, that hurts, doesn't it? Especially when it's somebody that's close to you, somebody that you love. You know, the closer the person is to you, the, the greater the wound, isn't it? Man, it hurts. Because you, you, you put yourself out there. I'm trusting them. So it's going to take God's work in this surrender. Uh, We've got to have God's grace. We've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to give you another helper. Thank God. I just want to remind you, you have a helper. It's the Holy Spirit. You're not in this by yourself. You've got a helper. Hebrews 12, he's speaking here, and I'm, I'm going to read some verses. Let's, let's jump down in verse 4. He says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you've forgotten the word as encouragement that addresses you as sons and daughters. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when He rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those He loves, and He punishes everyone He accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. Now let me just say this for a minute. Nowhere in the Scriptures does it say when God talks about discipline, is God talking about putting cancer on you or some other sickness. That's not God's discipline. Let's get that straight. Maybe you're going through that. You're going through it with God. That's good. But listen, God didn't bring that. That's not God's discipline. He says right here, He says, endure hardship. In other words, difficult circumstances, difficult people, difficult times. It's hardships. You know, just like we're right now. We're in what we're in this transition time where we're in this place right now. You know what? For a lot of us, it's difficult. You know, a lot of us show up here at 10 o'clock, set all this stuff up, connect all this stuff, children's nursery, youth, all of that. Then as soon as, you know, church is over and you're going out to the restaurant, we're staying here, we're breaking it all down, we're packing it all up, putting it in the trailer and taking it back. That's not fun. But it's necessary. And we do it for the Lord. And he says, in the hardship. So just, I'm just saying that is something you can relate to. Maybe you're going through a difficult time right now. Maybe on your job, you've got a coworker or a supervisor. Oh, buddy. And they are not pleasant, let alone saved, to be around. We'd just go for pleasant, wouldn't we? <laughs> You know what? He says, in that time, see, what's happening? There's a divine alignment that's taking place in you. You're learning to walk in love. Listen, how hard is it to walk in love with Jesus? It's easy, isn't it? He's the most patient, enduring, forgiving, loving, generous, merciful, and any other descriptor you want that, that, that aligns with God that can be. I mean, it's easy to get along with somebody like that. 
isn't it? Sure it is. That's why I tell people, when, man, when I'm by myself with Jesus, I'm doing pretty good. But God didn't call us to be by ourselves with Jesus. He says, we're His body. He's building us together. So when you go through some of these hardships, you know, God's bringing a divine alignment. Our attitudes, our motives, the love of God, you know, we're learning to walk in it instead of, you know, I want to smack you. <laughs> you are so holy. It is to bring about transformation of heart to produce maturity of character in us. See, this is what it takes. This is part of that divine alignment. Did you know in heaven, you know, there's a whole lot of the church in heaven right now. Did you know that? Sure. Everybody that's died in Christ for almost 2,000 years now, what, they're up there. They're part of the church too. They're up in heaven. They're part of the heavenly church. Do you know there's never been a church split up there? Nobody's ever bawled somebody else out up there? Nobody's complaining up there? You know why? Because, see, they don't have this thing anymore. But here's the thing. We can't let this become our excuse. God wants to help us. He's, he's our helper. So how does He do this? Some ways that I believe that God helps us to work in our surrender and bring us to divine alignment, God will use crisis beyond my control. You ever had a set of circumstances hit you that was beyond your control? One minute, everything's wonderful. Next minute, everything's not so wonderful. You know, how do we respond in the crisis? Do we get mad at God? Do we blame other people? Do we get this old sour attitude that when people see you, they want to come in, they want to cross the street? <laughs> you know, you ever seen, you ever been around, probably not, but you might have, ever been around a whiny Christian? <laughs> There's some out there somewhere. But you get around a whiny Christian, you know what, they, you, you know, Every, nothing's right. Everything's wrong. You know what? And the thing is, they may share with you things that are really, that they're going through, that are real. We're not, we're not belittling that they're going through real. But here's the thing. It's not profiting them at all. You know? They're whining as they went into it. They're whining going through it. And God in His mercy brings them out. And they're still whining about why it took so long. He uses God's Word and the Holy Spirit to discipline us. Amen? Man, many a time I'm reading the Word and the Holy Spirit says, see there? <laughs> see, you, th you think the Holy Spirit's talking to me about you all the time. No, He's talking to me about me. <laughs> He'll talk to you about you. Isn't that right? He talks to me about me. It, it's a full-time full job, even with Him helping me to keep me straight let alone try to get you straight. That's way over my pay grade. That's, that's the Holy Spirit's job. But here's the thing. We have to allow Him to do it. We have to be willing. When, when God, the Holy Spirit, will speak to us from the Bible, you start reading the Bible, all of a sudden God starts speaking to you about something that's out of alignment with His purpose and His calling in your life. That's the time when we stop and say, okay, Lord, I see that. I repent of that. Now you help me. 
You don't, you, see, you don't beat yourself all up. Oh, I'm just no good. Don't go there. See, that's, that's, the, that's what the devil and religion wants you to do. You know, if I knocked you to the ground, would that make you more spiritual? Of course not. Be sore, but you wouldn't be more spiritual. He also, in the rebellious, will allow sin to run its course. See, we don't like to hear this part. But that's exactly what happened with the children of Israel, didn't he? They were rebellious, they were rebellious, they were rebellious. Say, God, that, that big old meanie God, he gave them 40 years to repent. Good gracious. That's a long time. It, you think you could forbear somebody for 40 years? Did the same thing to you every day? Day in and day out for 40 years? I think God was pretty patient, don't you? And he sometimes, you know, he allows sin to run his course. You know, Paul wrote over there to the Corinthian church. He talked about one man, you know, that was living in sin. He said, you need to turn him over, turn his flesh over to the devil. Woo, Paul, wait, where's your mercy, Paul? But you know what? It was for the man's benefit. He said, so that his spirit might be saved. Isn't that right? So God's working in our surrender. Surrender is about the law of exchange. Real quickly in Matthew. How am I doing, BT? <laughs> I'm trusting you, man, because I'm telling you, it still says three up here. I hadn't even, as far as I know, I hadn't used any time. It's still stuck on three. We need to check this thing out. <laughs> Matthew 16, real quickly. I, I won't be much longer, I promise. 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. I know. In today's church, you don't talk about this verse. But I do. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. We're talking about surrender, and it's really the law of exchange. This is what he's talking about. Now, this is not a legalistic thing. This is where we've missed it sometimes. People have taken this verse and applied it in a legalistic way and beat people up over it. But this only comes about through love. The greatest sacrifice doesn't come about because of duty. It comes about because of love. For God so loved, He gave His Son. Jesus so loved you and I that He laid down His life. It didn't say God sent, you know, ten burly angels down and got Jesus in a headlock and made Him go to the cross. No, Jesus went because He loved. He surrendered because He loved. He denied Himself because He loved. What? Someone and something else more than Himself. Now, here's the big issue, is self-love. Are you listening? I know this is a little heavy, but it's okay. It doesn't hurt to get a little meat. Every once in a while, you'll make it. You sure will. But, you know, we, we have to learn what? That we don't love ourselves more than God. That's the first step. Now, that's, on the surface, that sounds like, hey, that's easy. Really? You found it easy. I must be doing something wrong. 
Because it's, it's difficult to crucify your flesh and your desires. And even to put God before yourself. It's difficult. That's, that's why he said it's a cross. He didn't say it was a vacation. He didn't say it was a good feeling. He said it was a cross to do this. <laughs> Last time I looked, a cross, I haven't been on one, but it looks pretty painful. He said, deny yourself. And then he took it a step further. He said, not only that, he said, but, he said, but to love your brother more than yourself. Boy, if you thought it was hard with God in that place, put somebody else in that place, especially when they're not nearly as deserving as you. <laughs> I just said what we're all thinking. <laughs> it's, you know, the Scriptures talk about it, both literally with Jesus, of course, and for us, literally, but also spiritually about death and resurrection. It's the law of exchange. Jesus said it in different ways over and over throughout the Gospels. He said, if you die you'll live. And see, that, that's crazy because, see, to my flesh and to my natural self, the last thing I want to do is get, I want to get as far away from any death that there is. You feel about the same way? Absolutely. And so he says, to, to take up your cross and crucify yourself, it's a law of exchange, and it takes God's grace, and it's going to take the love of God in us for us to be able to do this. And you know what? Just to put some more icing on the cake here, it's a daily thing. I wish I could tell you it was a one-time thing and then you got it made. But it's every day. Every day you got to decide, I'm going to love God first before myself. And then on that, I'm going to love my brothers and sisters before myself. Wow. I said, Pastor, this is, this is hard. Who can receive it? Only by the grace of God. Amen? Look at Matthew 19. Give me just a few more minutes here. We're going to be closing. I'll just refer to this. You know this about the rich young man that came to Jesus. Remember that? He, said, Jesus, he came to Jesus. He, he said, Lord, I want to follow you. I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. I want to, you know, have this eternal life you're talking about. He said, what should I do? He Jesus said, well, you know, uh, do everything that Moses said and keep the commandments and everything. He said, Lord, all these I've done from my youth up. Wow. Pretty good, isn't it? Jesus didn't dispute it either, did he? He said, one thing you lack. You know what it was? He loved himself. You know how Jesus found out? He said, the man was rich. He said, go give everything away. And it said, the man left sad. Why? He loved himself. Jesus put his finger right on it. You know, sometimes when God asks us to do something that seems to be such a high price, and we just say, Lord, mm. But you know what? We need to learn to say yes by the help of God. And you know, the beautiful thing is, when you say yes, all of a sudden, the grace of God, the peace of God, the rest of God, and the love of God begin to rise up in you. And you find out that this place that you dreaded is the most wonderful place in the world to be and to live. Surrender brings alignment. One last scripture here I want to read. 
couple of comments and then we're going to pray and let you go. Philippians 2, verse 12. Listen to this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. If, if we would just take that step, like Peter getting out of the boat, Peter in his own strength, like any other man, could not walk on the water, could he? That is an absolute impossibility. But yet, because he responded to Jesus' word, all of a sudden something that Peter couldn't explain but was very real and very supernatural began to happen, and he actually stood on the water. Can you imagine his amazement? He's standing there. I mean, he fished on that lake all his life. He never stood on the water, though. And he actually walked some distance, didn't he? Now, it's the same way with us. This, what we've, I've talked about today, of God building us up and, and us coming into divine alignment, this surrender, it can seem just about as impossible to us as Peter standing on the water when he got out of that boat. But just like Peter found grace there when he took a step and he found the power of God there, if we will be willing to, just like Peter, just, just take that first step towards surrender. So God, you're going to have to do it through me because I know how I am. You know how you are. I know how I am. It's going to take God to do it. Amen. See, for the surrendered heart, there's no resistance to God's placement. God can put me anywhere he wants to. Move me over here, move me over there, put me over here, put me over there. It doesn't matter. I'm where God placed me. I'm valuable because what? God loves me. I'm not valuable because of what I do. I'm valuable because I'm loved. What I do is a function. It's not my value. See, I'm, just because I'm up here preaching doesn't make me any more valuable than you. It's just a, it's just a different job. So it's our, not our function that makes us valuable. It's the fact that God loved us. So when we understand that, it doesn't matter if he asked me to do the least thing. I'm just as valuable as I was when he asked me to do the great thing. Because my value is because he loves me. He died for me. He cares for me. Let me give you some action points, and then we're going to pray. <clears throat> I would encourage you to just get along with God and, and just ask God and ask yourself, do I have any wounds which are still controlling me? If you're easily offended and touchy and react, you might be wounded. And you know what? It's not a sin to be wounded. But if you stay wounded, it could lead you into sin. Everybody's been wounded. Everybody's been wounded. And, you know, unless you, from the time you were a baby, you were stuck in a cave and, you know, and nobody, you had no interaction. But everybody's been wounded. We've, we felt rejection. We felt betrayal. We felt hurt. We felt misunderstood. I mean, there's all kinds of things. You know, whatever they are, take those to God and let them go. 
Ask God to help you. He will to let them go. Confess them. Bring to Jesus to heal it, for healing. And then begin to replace the wounds with God's healing word. The Bible says, He sent His word and healed them. Well, we know Jesus was the living word. He's still in the healing business. And He wants to heal us today. So I'm going to pray here just for a moment. Just before I let you go, if you just bow your heads just for a moment. I want to pray over you. If you're here today especially and, and, and you, know, you, you know there's some wounds in your life. You've been wounded. That's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be condemned about at all. And probably you were, you were an innocent victim of the woundedness. And maybe the person, person could not even be alive on planet earth anymore that wounded you. Or they may not even be aware that they wounded you. And they've gone on about their life. But you're carrying this thing around. And it's hindering what God wants to do in your life. It's limiting it. And God says, you know, today, acknowledge that and bring it to Him. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray here, if that's you, just right there where you're seated, sitting, just take it to God. Just be real with God. Just give it to God. Father, right now, Lord, I know that this many people, there are people who've been hurt and wounded, Lord, that are that are nursing hurts and wounds, rejections, betrayal. Father, things that were done to them that were not their fault in any way. But yet, Father, the wound is there. And they have trust issues and they 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 they're sensitive and they 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 know that there's just triggers that seem to set them off and they don't like it they don't want to be that way father right now in the name of jesus as they come to you you come to the father right now and just give it so father i give it to you right now i'm just giving it to you lord we're giving you this hurt we're giving you this pain and whoever it is that you need to forgive just by faith right now. Not by feeling, by faith. We forgive them. Father, we forgive them. We release them. Just as you forgave us, we forgive them. Father, I ask as forgiveness is released, that your healing grace will come to the lives of the people here. And Father, there will be a healing of their emotions. There will be a healing in their minds and their hurts. Oh, God, I thank you, Father, that there will be a release and a peace that comes to them like nothing they've known before. And Lord, I thank you. They'll be positioned for your divine alignment in their life. Your will, your purpose, your plan will be done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, just before I let you go, let me remind you, uh, when you came in, you might have got one of these flyers that talks about effective prayer, times of great need. We're going to be uh, having a church-wide prayer event at Wellsprings for Women, uh, which is in Marbury, Alabama. You can look it up online, find that. You can Google it. But we're going to have a, uh, a it's going to be about six hours long. You, you've got the information here. And we're going to be talking about praying. I'm going to be talking about Paul's prayers for the church. Then we're going to have a session where we pray for it. Then uh, we're going to have another prayer session that... Uh, Bruce Hudgens, Brother Bruce Hudgens is going to be talking about spirit-led warfare. Then we're going to have a prayer time. And then uh, 
Pastor Ed and Miss Bunny are going to be talking about praying effectively, and we're going to have a prayer time. So we're going to have alternating sessions of teaching for about an hour and then prayer for about an hour. So it's going to be a powerful time of learning about how to pray more effectively and then just, you know, practicing it, just like your mama taught you. Practice makes perfect. Amen? <laughs> Amen. So make sure you do that. Our singles group, single saved, set apart next Meeting is Sunday, September 24th from 3.30 to 5.30 here at the AUM campus, room 204 upstairs. So uh, avail yourself of that. Again, if you're here for the first time visiting, worshiping with us, we want to, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, Cindy and I, right after the prayer of dismissal, we will be down here. If you've got a moment, you don't have to rush off. We'd love to just meet you and greet you and say uh, thank you for coming, get to know you, just introduce ourselves. Amen. Would you stand up on your feet? Divine alignment. God is the builder of His church. You are God's building material. The lively stones. You are valuable. You are important. Without you, there will be a gap. I grew up on a farm. You know, they had cattle and cows and everything. And, and every fence that was fenced in, they had a gap where you could, you know, you could unhook it. It might be a gate or it might just be some barbed wire. You'd unhook it, pull it aside, you know, take out the cattle you wanted to. But I'm telling you, God help you if you forgot to put the gap back up. Oh, my goodness. You wouldn't sit down for a week. Because all the cows would get out. And see, your place fills in that gap that makes a difference for God's church and for Passion Church too. Amen. Father, I just speak blessing over the people as they go. I thank you, Lord, this week uh, when the weather comes through that, Father, it is safe. They will be safe, Lord. Their property will be safe. We just thank you, Father. Bless the work of their hands this week. May your peace be upon them. I thank you that, Lord, you're, you've begun a healing and a wholeness in many of their lives, and you also will complete it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.